Hello and welcome to the Harrogate Podcast. My name's Andrew Gray, and in these podcasts, it's my job to interview the movers and shakers in Harrogate and our surrounding areas. Today, I have with me the truly inspirational Janet McDougall of Woodfield Dog Rescue, which isn't actually in the Woodfield area of Harrogate, so I wanted to dispel that myth right now. Also, for the first time ever, we have a dog in the sort of studio with us. It's Albert, and he's a rescue dog. But more on Albert later on, no doubt he'll make his presence felt. Now, those who've heard these podcasts before will know that what I normally do is when I meet my sort of subjects, my interviewees, what I do is I have a pre-chat with them for an hour or so, during which I sort of hone my questions and then, then we record. Today, I've got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I have been moved to tears um, in my pre-chat with Janet and I have a lingering tear in my left eye. So a word of warning, I think today is going to be a tearjerker because Janet said to me uh, at one stage, and this is relevant about Albert, she said, no more puppies should freeze to death. And poor Albert, who I can tell you is a stunning sort of cross, uh, is it Border Collie German Shepherd, is that right? I think so, yeah, it's our best guess. He's about two and a half years old. He was one of eight in a litter and I'm really sorry to say that seven of his siblings all froze to death and Albert is the only one who remained. I don't mean to miss you, sort of start with a downer, but wow, um, I couldn't help but explain that to you. So Janet, Albert, welcome to the Harrogate Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. We're glad to be here. Great. Now, tell me how on earth you ended up setting up a charity which is based in sort of north of Harrogate which rehomes dogs, because the story is sensational. I believe it starts in Thailand. It does, yeah, strangely. Um, It's just one of the things that um, I have fallen into, and it wasn't uh, anything in any big game plan. It's just all come about through uh, circumstance, really. Um, We were on holiday in Thailand, and I became aware of an amazing charity called Soy Dog Foundation. Um, and we just started to support that charity in a very small way. But we, we, you and your husband? Me and my husband, yeah. We, we sponsored some dogs from there, and I was just very interested in the work they were doing, and the rescue world was all very fresh and new to me then. Uh, we wanted to get a second dog. We were socialisers for the Hearing Dogs, um, who are an amazing charity, but we wanted our own second dog, um, and I wanted it to be a rescue a little bit down the line, we, having known more about soy, thought perhaps it should be a soy dog. And um, after seeing him on Facebook uh, six months later, after a very long journey from Phuket, Choi Choi arrived with us. Um, and that was the start of our rescue story. Choi Choi the dog. Choi Choi the dog, How yes. long ago was this? That was the 31st of October 2016. I see it's burned into your memory bank. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, it was, wasn't the best day for a dog who's very scared and has come all the way from Thailand to be arriving into a what was a very foggy and cold um, Harwich. He was very scared and, it, and then his journey back, it was just all a little bit too much for him. But um, yeah, it was the start of my, my, my world of rescue. So only that was two and a half years ago, your first dog arrived from Thailand. You're just being kind and helping a solitary dog. Yeah. But fast forward in two and a half years, what you've done is truly incredible. Yeah, and yeah. I think you're so sort of um, relaxed about it or not even, you're not even impressed with 
what no, you've done. I think it's, having spoken to you today earlier on, actually, yeah, it sort of makes me realise we have actually achieved quite, quite a lot. And so tell me, so what was the next stage after Choi Choi arrived and you looked after him? And yeah. Is he still with us on Earth? Yeah, yeah, he's the most amazing dog. He's just now, um, he, he's gone from being a very, very scared dog with quite um, bad fear aggression issues to a real party animal who just loves people. Um, and um, yeah, we still have some issues with him, but he was... He was a very full-on dog for, for me, particularly at being at home with him in the initial first few months, especially. Um, but he just blew me away because he's very, very, very special. Um, and I just wanted to do more because he was so incredible. Um, but I'm getting moved to see his dog. He was so incredible. Um, and through Soy Dog, who I was a big supporter of um, in, the, in the work that they do, I think they're incredible. Um, I wanted to do more. I met amazing people who were doing great things in other parts of the world. And one thing led to another, and I started to support dogs in in Romania. Um, Having never really been to Romania since she was 16. Yeah. You didn't have an affinity with the country. No, no. I, I just came across a person doing some incredible work there, and we just gelled. Um, this via Facebook, right? Yeah, via Facebook, yeah. And I wasn't even a big Facebook user until t- until I got Choi Choi. And just very gradually, one thing came to another. And um, we'd, we'd fostered a couple of Romanian dogs. One actually wasn't from the lady I now deal with. She was through another person that I was dealing with. Um, but when I met Madalena, it became a bit of a game-changer Um I was starting to wind down from my business. I was wanting more interesting things to do. The time was just right for me, I think, to to follow my dreams. And I've always been an animal lover um, to a big extent. We've always rescued animals, but they've never gone anywhere before. They've always stayed with us. And not dogs. Um, not dogs at all. So, um, But we had the three dogs that we'd fostered and all actually had stayed with us. We decided... For various reasons and we had the space that those dogs should go nowhere else and be our family dogs um, and then what did you do in romania tell us because it's incredible yeah. you've helped thousands of dogs I yeah think. we have now. In, only in a few years i mean that is yeah incredible so how have you gone about helping dogs in romania how does woodfield dog rescue help dogs in romania how in lots of ways um we or i <laughs> initially went out there september 17 because I wanted to see the kennels that we had built. You say that flippantly, are the yeah. kennels we've built? I mean, yeah, wow, we, in the space funded. of few months, you funded the building of kennels in a public shelter. That's right, yeah. Um, it, that all goes back to Albert. That the year before that, Madalena and I had been messaging each other about the terrible weather conditions they were having there. It was, it was November and it was unseasonably cold, like bitterly cold um, and it was a great worry to her because she was a volunteer in a public shelter where there's 500 dogs she was trying to feed she was trying to keep them um, away from the elements an impossible situation when you don't have a roof and four walls um, to do that within she had small kennels and pallets and it was just the most abysmal situation and it all came to a head when one day she went in and Albert's litter were all dead apart from Albert. And I, I, I'll never forget that night. Um, 
and you were there. This is just by Facebook. This is right? by Facebook, but it was messengers going backwards and forwards. And she was like, "What could she do with Albert?" And I was. It was basically I spoke to my husband, and he was like, "Well, we could take him." And we had to get him taken to a private clinic. Um, he had pneumonia, but remarkably, he survived. And, and here he is uh, today. And here he is today. Yeah. He's an, he's an amazing dog. He's very bright. He does have some anxieties, but um, he's an amazing, amazing dog. But following on from that, fast forward, we kept doing the work we were doing, and I had to see where Albert had come from. I also had another dog from Baldesti, which was earlier than that. Baldesti's Romania. Yeah, it's the public shelter, um, called Arrow, who'd been very, very sick with distemper and had survived, and we had fostered and kept, and he's a... He's a bit of a buffoon and a clown of a dog, but amazing as well too. And I just wanted to see where my dogs had come from. I wanted there to be a purpose to my first visit. So put my Spaniel Bella on a sponsored slim. And we raised enough money to do a four-day spay clinic, uh, which I said earlier, like a spay-a-thon. A spay-a-thon? I've never yeah. heard that term before. Yeah, just to get dogs off the street. We don't want dogs Stop being born. Yeah. So it costs about, in Romania, is it €25 ish to have a dog spayed? Yeah, so it's very inexpensive. And how many joined this sponsored spayathon? Yeah. Which is a mouthful in itself. I can't remember what the exact numbers were off the top of my head. I will have them at home somewhere. That's a guess, Janet. It was a, dogs I think it was just under 100 um, over a four day period. And that's obviously a lot less puppies on the street in the future. Very good for the people of Romania, absolutely. But I also understand that you've helped build a clinic within this public sort of pound is that the right that's right yeah yeah it's a kill shelter they a kill shelter is that are you saying that in a provocative way or is that really that's what it is that's really what it is they have a a license for up to 500 dogs so um the minute it goes over that dogs will be killed technically a dog entering the clinic has um 14 working days to be kept within the shelter and and then um, can be can be euthanized. That doesn't happen all the time. They do get longer if the numbers are below that five hundred. So, any ideas how many dogs are killed or euthanized in a typical year at this shelter before you guys showed up? And then, but before, yeah, Madalena, who's the volunteer who goes in there and feeds and cares for them, before she was on the scene, it would have been all of them. Now she homes as many as she can home and obviously not all dogs are homeable she has to look into there's the health aspect the dogs have to be well enough to be passported and vaccinated and also the temperament has to be suitable for rehoming and she works very closely with her dogs to make sure they're of a temperament that would be suitable for going overseas so sure you've done all this fabulous work in Romania but the dogs now are coming here to Harrogate yeah. so tell us about this journey, what, what do you have here in Harrogate and where it are, is your charity based? Yeah, we're, we're based outside of Bishop Thornton. Our village um, is Bishop Thornton, but we're in the middle of nowhere beyond there. Um, and we have a small shelter at home. Um, we probably have a maximum of seven dogs in the shelter. I keep it really small. It's usually much less than that. Um, and is the purpose of having these dogs to rehome them to families here in Harrogate? Yeah, that's what happens. So last time about a month ago we had five dogs arrive we've still got two of those are in the process of being homed and um, we work with a, an amazing behavioralist um, here in Harrogate 
and we get all the dogs professionally assessed and we start training with them so that by the time they go into homes we have a really good idea what the dogs are about and we work to match the dog to the home and so that there's nothing unexpected about the dog when they go into the home but that said they have been street dogs and may never have been in a home environment so adopters need to be fully aware about the work involved and the commitment involved for those dogs because they've been through an awful lot if people are the right people and we try to vet the people as much as the dogs then the journey they go on and the satisfaction they will get from the dog they change and adapt so quickly they're unbelievable um, will probably be one of the most worthwhile things they've ever done I can say that because I started that way with Choi Choi and here I am now we've homed 46 dogs later you say that flippantly again it's incredible in, in space of one year yeah. from setting up your uh, sort of centre in your house or your home I, I guess mm. it's a bit of a bit of land there yeah. you've, you've homed one dog a week that might have been euthanized in Romania. Yeah, that is pretty much what it is. Yeah. And you, so, how are the dogs moved from Romania? I mean, that, they, yeah. do they come by plane? Or? No, they're transported by by van, specially adapted vans with air conditioning, and they have crates within that. Undoubtedly, that does create some stress for the dogs. But we find when they arrive, they're in you know in good shape. How long does it take to drive from Romania to? Um, it depends where we are on the drop off when they get dropped off with us. So between two and three days, they can arrive within two days at, through the tunnel, and then if they're coming straight to us, it's obviously a lot shorter. But sometimes they're dropping dogs with other um, homing organisations and charities. So the maximum is usually, once they arrive into the UK, they have 48 hours to deliver all the dogs under DEFRA rulings. It's all very strictly governed. Um, I was say, there's no compounds at sort of ports where dogs are checked for rabies and things like that. Do no, they are checked, all, all the passports and documents are all checked at both sides. And they're very strict about it, quite rightly. Absolutely. I mean, it's a difficult question. Have you had a problem ever with things like rabies from no the dogs are all that rabies vaccinated it's obviously crucial it's all done correctly the reason why i'm working with madalena is she's a very intelligent woman and does everything to the t there is you know everything is done exactly as it should be and is recommended um and now we've had no problems uh we get spot checked by defra and everything has always been as it should be, the passports, etc., are all perfect. I'm not surprised. So, if I was looking for a dog for our family, mm-hmm. and I've got two youngish kids, or nine and, and seven, and we're fairly familiar with dogs, but we've not had one in our family home before, mm-hmm. should we come to Woodfield Dog Rescue looking for a dog, or for a family like ours, perhaps, should we be looking for a dog that isn't a rescue dog? What are the pros? Yeah, I think and cons? It's, the, it's probably the yeah, a dog is a dog um, and some dogs that people buy from breeders at eight weeks old may turn out not to be suitable for family homes in that they may be traits that were not expected or not, not desirable and the same can be true with a rescue dog that not all dogs are suitable for families and I think it's you know each case is um, individual each dog is individual each family is individual and I think it's very much a case of looking at the dog and the family and seeing if it would work out 
We go really carefully. I mean, I know people who have had dogs from breeders and a little bit down the line, the dog has maybe not been as calm as the dog they had before and they've had issues that they weren't expecting. Our dogs aren't little puppies. The, the minimum age a dog can be when it travels is four months. So you do have probably a feel for what the personality will be like. Having said that, we don't know the background of the dog. Um, so it, you probably shouldn't know its age unless it was more or less a puppy. When it yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a guesstimate their age. So I currently have a dog that this week I'm hoping to home with a family. Um, the family have visited and it all went really, really well. It's the, the dog has met the other family dog and that's been very nice. Um, it's The dog has been credible with the children, so it's all looking very positive. Um, later today I will be taking the dog to their house so we can repeat that process in the house. How does it feel for you? You've helped rescue a dog from Romania that may have been killed, euthanized. You, With your charitable hat on your charity which you run you bring the dog incredibly over from Romania all the way to Harrogate and then you love it you care for it and then you're giving it up again how does that make you yeah. Janet personally feel when you're doing it is, is it a moment of elation to give it to a family to make them happy or is it sort of one of sadness because I can see that you're a dog yeah. nut yeah it's it's a bit a bit of both homing dogs to families has to be taken really seriously and really carefully and so I tend to try and do little trials in the homes just to just be sure that everything is right. So that's probably a whole lot more than somebody going out and buying a dog has the op- option to do, that we do little days and weekends. If, the, if that's all as it should be, I feel really good because I've been really, really careful and my whole objective is to get dogs into families. But it has to be the right dog into the right family because I don't want the dog to not be the right dog I don't want things to go wrong and ideally I don't want the dog to have to come back to me and add to it the list of things that have gone wrong in its life so it has to be it's crucial that the the match is correct and as I'm so small as a charity I can take that time and be ultra cautious um, and if there is any problems then I'm there as backup um, so that we don't have any dogs appearing on sites for sale and things that if there was a, any reason whatsoever why the dog isn't right in that home and it could be illness or it could be a major change of circumstance the dog would come back to me first you got, know, it. got so, it boss I can see that you're yeah, very, uh, clear the, the rescue backup is crucial and if anybody is rescuing a dog from anywhere that's the one thing they should be sure of that they've got rescue backup can you get insurance for rescue dogs, particularly rescue dogs from Romania, which might have more of a, perhaps, uh, not for me, but for maybe for others, more mm. of a negative connotation that there might be more mm. um, rabid. If that, I know you say they don't have it, and I'm sure I, I trust what you're saying, but you know, uh, would it be easier to get a, a dog insurance from a rescue dog from the UK, or is it more complicated from Romania, or is it potentially the same thing? It's or the c- same. It's the same. Okay. Like if the dog is in good health, um, and... You know, the health checks they go through before they can travel are stringent. Um, so when they arrive, they are in good health. Um, if there has been any pre-existing health issue, then that would be excluded from the insurance, but that's no different to than if you had a dog from any other source from here that I don't know, if, I can't think of an example, but 
I keep horses and I know insurers like sort of keep excluding you know, so you feel like you're not actually insuring anything at the end of the day but you know, every time you injure a leg then that leg's excluded so yeah if there was a, re- a health reason you know we would make that aware to the adopters that there is the health reason there but all of my dogs today that I've brought over have had good good health and insurance has not been an issue. Super so how can people help you to help the remaining dogs is it simply question of funds and how can they give it or is it volunteering or or what explain how can we help you we have a group we have uh, Woodfield Dog Rescue on on Facebook and we're a very positive um, positive group doing all we can and focusing on what we can do rather than what we can't do and um, I'm very driven really I think you know the aim is to do as much as you know, we, we can can achieve and we realise we can't save all the dogs. But for each one we do save, it's just so worthwhile. So yeah, fundraising is a big part of what we do. I'm not a natural fundraiser. I hate asking people for money, but we do because we have to. I've sort of got over that a bit. And we just have fun events and we're we're growing. So we're trying to make fundraising fun. But occasionally we do ask for for money for donations as well we get you know at the public shelter the food we, we send a lot of food it's like maybe a thousand kilos a month Goodness. would be enough often actually quite a lot more so food is a constant problem so if people have food bags of food whatever we can collect or they can drop off um, we also raise funds for medical supplies so that the dogs are treated out there just as the same they would be if they were in a shelter here and that they have the best possible medication we we run spays because we'd rather there weren't dogs in the shelter yeah uh, you're getting to the root cause of the problem i really like that you're not just treating the symptoms of it it's the yeah. root cause yeah i mean the ideal world would be a public shelter with no dogs in it probably won't happen in my lifetime but we have to try and i, I very much feel that it's a huge problem worldwide with, with animal welfare. I've become aware of what's happening in this one shelter. And it's a relatively small shelter. It's 500 dogs, which I know is huge, but in comparison to some, it's not. And I could either look away and walk away and just look after my own dogs and have a happy, healthy time with them and um, ignore what's going on. Or I could just try and do something and make a difference. And we've tried to make a difference and we're trying to make a difference. And we have great supporters who are helping us in that. Um, but it's an uphill battle and we win some and we lose some. And, you know, but overall, I think it's positive. And when we go back, it's always wrenching the number of dogs there. At times it can seem hopeless. But overall, the actual progress we have made and is being made is phenomenal that we now have kennels and runs so dogs are kept apart from each other so they don't fight over food we have um, puppies that are born there or are brought in when they're very small who actually grow up to be healthy puppies and get homes and in Romania not in Romania they're brought overseas okay well like Albert Albert was four months when he arrived I've got Frank who's 10 months old and we had a, an amazing fundraise last Saturday of a Zumba an afternoon tea party with 85 people 
um, and a lot of noise and a lot of food. And we had two of our puppies there, one of which was mine, Frank, who's, I think he's about 10 months old now, and the other one, Lula, who's one of my trustees' um, puppies. And they were perfectly behaved. They didn't launch for food. They had no puddles on the floor. Um, They weren't freaked out by the noise. Um, And I think for puppies, wherever they've come from, that was pretty much a good test of what's achievable. And we, you know, we were very proud um, of, of our dogs that day. But yeah, we're just doing what we can, and we're trying to have fun while we do it. But it's, you know, there's a serious side of trying to improve welfare in a public shelter and trying to raise awareness. And talking of awareness, we're going out in May, and it will be a working group. Um, so we'll be, we're very hands-on. You know, we. Sp- I can see. We I'm sp- very passionate. Yeah, yeah we're so passionate. All day long. So can people? help you you know imagine there's lots of people in Harrogate surrounding areas there's so many volunteers around here mm-hmm. we can are you looking for volunteers to come and help you at Woodfield or um, have you got plenty we've, we've, we've got plenty but people can always come and see what we do and walk dogs and things it varies depending on how many dogs we've got in so because we're small sometimes we've got five dogs in walking five dogs and giving them um, the exercise and cuddles that they need is, is very time consuming then when we've honed them all, we often have a little gap um, while we regroup and while I am involved with the adopters and helping the dog settle, because it's not just a case of when you adopt the dog that we then say, you know, you're on your own. We, we do support all our adopters to the nth degree, and I do warn adopters that I stalk them for the first few weeks <laughs> <laughs> about how the dogs are doing. And, you know, it's just a level of care, really. You know, a level of care and commitment is just vital, it's a big decision getting a dog, and I want it to go right. So, very good. Now, changing tack somewhat, mm-hmm. you were a very successful business person. Yeah. And you had with your resources that you accumulated, or time and skill sets. Obviously, you've changed tack in the last few years and set up a charity, helped thousands of dogs. It's incredible. What particular skills did you learn in business, which you've then managed to employ? with your charity that's an interesting question I think they're very similar I think just an understanding being understanding about different situations and not necessarily going in with blinkers I think looking beyond what's right in front of you as to a solution as to how you can do things and sometimes just taking a punt on things I know in business you just sometimes think actually we've got this problem let's solve it and sometimes that might mean you have to throw some money at it and then hope it all comes good invariably it does you find a way I think just problem solving um, and not being afraid to just go for it I think most successful business people just sort of like dive in and then sort it out and not sort of I won't say not think about it but you know just go for it and then work out the the detail later um, yeah, you which, don't strike me as a business plan type. And I'm no. A compliment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we built the shelter before the dogs arrived, obviously, because they needed to be there. But it was very much, a, I won't say spur of the moment, but we came back with the view that we knew we wanted some dogs to arrive and we needed to get that shelter built quickly. And we just built it. And we did make some mistakes in the actual how it, how it was built. I needed to change the floor three months down the line because I, it needed a a different type of flooring that was much more sturdy but that was the only mistake and 
we sorted it and now you know I could have been thinking forever in a day about what type of flooring I wanted and never have actually achieved it so I, I think you just get on with it if a dog if a dog is going to be killed if you don't put some action into place you put the action into place and then sort out the fine detail how could anybody argue with that logic now when you were in business you I'm sure work very hard I'm sensing that you probably work harder now give us a typical day for yeah I work really hard now um yeah in business I probably didn't I did work hard but nothing like I work work now I never stop we're up early sort of before six and then the day involves well animals really and fitting in all the normal things of running a house and I do have still some other business interests but then in between that trying to keep the group active trying to home dogs home checking buying food buying food to send out to Romania you name it I mean it's constant and constant messages which I'm not complaining about but do you you ever take a holiday yeah, we do. We, we go up to Scotland and I try to switch off then. It's important, actually. Somebody that I know who runs a larger charity explained to me that you can get burnout quite easily in the charity world because it's very compassionate and if you're not there, then things don't get done. But actually, you're not doing anyone any favours if you make yourself ill. So we do take regular breaks. That's um, great advice to any, anyone listening. Jana, what's the next stage for you? Because, you know, go back for 14 months, you hadn't homed any dogs. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't even have anywhere <laughs> that you could home them, uh, as in at your own house. Yeah. Uh, where next? I mean, what does the future hold? Is it, are you going to be hopefully closing down the public shelter in Romania? That's no, probably not going to happen. But no. how many, do you have a plan for how many, is it going to be hundreds of dogs at your home? Are you, is it just going yeah. to be Harrogate? Uh, are you expanding? No. Uh, we I'm just sort of ticking along on homing the dogs gradually and correctly. Um, My passion is that we do whatever we do to the best level we can do it. Um, So I'm doing an academy um, at Battersea in May. Well, it's just so important that the level of expertise is as best as it can be. And I'm very willing to learn and improve anything I can do. The standard of our shelter is really high anyway. But you never stop learning. So um, I want to learn as much as I can. I don't see that I will grow the charity too big. I'm 57 and I'm not in the first flush of youth. But I can keep bringing a few dogs over at a time. It's more about quality than quantity. I just feel that if I want to keep the control of where the dogs go and if I continue to do all my home, own home checks um, and I can provide the backup for all my dogs it would be a mistake to try and bring too many more over. Thank you. Janet, the, the next plans I think are very exciting because you've given me a sneak preview but do tell my listeners what they are. Yeah well we're heading back out to Romania very very soon um, and it's going to be a nice little working group and part of the purpose is to look at our next build we are going to achieve I'm saying I want to achieve but no we are going to achieve a mother and pup unit which will mean that there is a dedicated space for mothers and puppies which will just be amazing Um, and the puppies will have a much 
higher level of welfare and hopefully the spread of disease will be minimised. It will also have a knock-on effect in that it will release a lot of space within the public shelter that currently gets taken up for a long period of time while a mother is raising her puppies. Um, so we're really excited about that. And so we, we've got the foundations down because we started last year and then the weather stopped, stopped building. Um, but when we can, we can meet up with the builders when we're out there and also Madeleine's partner... Uh, will be project managing as he always does so we can have have lots of meetings and work out just exactly you know how it will be how, so many, pu- how many mothers and puppies do you think you'll be yeah we just need to decide on the space per, per per unit and there are sort of guidelines as to what's you know what's needed for that so i think it just depends on what we can fit in the space i'll probably around be around 12 which will just be amazing if we can get that built this year because, it's much needed. And Jenna, I must interject here because I think you need to explain to the listeners why it's important that you have a, a mothers and pups section. It's yeah. because that if you don't build this, the puppies and the mums are all in with the other 500 dogs, which is sounds chaotic. Is that right? Yes, yeah, partly. That's partly right. The the kennels, um, the, the public shelter now has, has a lot of kennels and runs, but not enough. And they're quite large areas. They're, they're big enough to accommodate between 10 and 15 dogs, depending on size. A mother with her small puppies doesn't need anything like that amount of space. In fact, she probably would prefer something smaller and cosier um, to take care of her puppies in. But we can't mix mothers and puppies and adult dogs without... That would be a disaster. So we end up putting mothers and pups in, in kennels and runs which otherwise could home 10 to 15 adult dogs. So it reduces the numbers of dogs we can keep in good welfare. And so by having the facility for mothers and pups, it then releases the bigger kennels and runs we have for the adult dogs. Just will make a huge amount of difference. It will make a huge amount of difference. I can imagine. And it will be warmer and um, it will be a, a a proper quality build so that summer and winter those puppies will have um the right the right level of care to keep them safe and then puppies like my albert won't freeze to death albert who's been very well behaved he, he was slept the whole way through blessing yeah, ladies and gentlemen uh, janet didn't actually bring him in to start off with because apparently he was so too nervous and i can testify he certainly was nervous as he walked into the office but he has been chilled this last half an hour yeah, recording. Brilliant. good for you albert now janet how can people get in touch with you how can people donate to the Woodfield charity. Yeah, we're um, Woodfield Dog Rescue on Facebook. Uh, we're PayPal, the Woodfield Foundation at gmail.com. Just Google us. We're on, we have a website. Just Google us. Send me private messages. I'm there. Just message me. And on Twitter as well, which is how we connected. Yeah, well. yeah we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You know, just just get in touch, say hello. We're friendly. We'll reply. But just a word of warning: some of the photographs you see are quite. Uh, <laughs> they're just so cute. Some of the pictures, they really are. Some professional. Our dogs are amazing. Yeah, and so are you, and so you volunteers, uh, Janet. Lovely place to finish. Um, I've really enjoyed interviewing you. I think people Thank want you. to hear this interview. Um, I hope it grows and that you keep making a massive difference. Thank you. Truly inspiration. Thank well you. done to you. Thank you.